Are you ready? You're not ready. We're going to start anyway. So we're going to start with 2 Thessalonians. read this to you three weeks ago. We're going to start it with it again here today. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him, do not become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Do not let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. The lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So this man that Paul mentions in this passage, he calls him the man of lawlessness. Another translation says the man of sin. Uh, Another translation says the man of perdition, which means hell, the man from hell. Uh, 1 John calls him the Antichrist, which could also be translated the un-Jesus. Okay, he's the exact opposite of everything Jesus is. Hello? You with me? Okay. So this man of lawlessness or man of sin or the Antichrist, uh, in Daniel he's referred to differently. In Revelation he's one of the two beasts. There's a man that will come to some sort of government prominence in the world. We'll talk about all that later. But there, there is some sort of government that he will lead that is literally against Jesus and everything that Jesus stands for. This man is from hell. He is the man of lawlessness. He is the un-Jesus. He is the anti-Christ. I'm not, this is not my topic this morning, uh, but I know you've heard of the anti-Christ and that kind of has taken on a life of its own. People picture a guy with red eyes and horns coming out of his head and, and uh, he's this evil guy and he has a mark you have to put on your forehead 666 or you can't buy or sell anything and people are kind of scared of the tribulation and the time when he takes over the world right before Jesus returns and and all that and we will get into that in a few weeks what I just want you to notice right now in this passage this morning is how many times Paul just used the word lawless it's like six times Paul says the mystery of lawlessness or the man of lawlessness that lawlessness is already at work in the world, then Jesus will not come back until lawlessness is in its fullness. I just want you to notice right now, this over and over, in the end, before Jesus comes, lawlessness will abound. Okay? The next passage is from Jesus in in Matthew 13. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus says here, one of the first things I will do when I return is uproot all the weeds in my field. We talked about that several weeks ago, the the tares in the wheat field. He says, I'm going to pull out everybody who is lawless, who claims to be a Christian, but they don't follow my commands. There's that word lawlessness again. And then in Matthew 7, he says this, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? 
And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So these people claim to be Christians. They even can cast out demons and do miracles. But Jesus never knew them because they're lawless. So I told you when we started this series, I'm not interested in scary Hollywood stuff. I'm not interested in what does 666 mean and is President Obama the Antichrist? And stuff like that that you will find online and late night Christian television. I am interested in who is Jesus and what is he doing and who is he who is his, what is his character? What is he doing so that I can be with him and doing what he's doing? Because I don't want to end up on the wrong side. I don't want to end up on the wrong end of his sword. All right? So who is Jesus? What is he like? This lawlessness is what he will not allow in his church or in the world. And the leader of the world, when he returns, will be this man of lawlessness. This guy that is the exact opposite of everything Jesus is. He'll look a lot like Jesus. He will look like a nice, kind, savior kind of guy to the world. But he's the opposite of everything Jesus is because he is lawless and Jesus is the one who does exactly everything his father says. And he only does what he sees his father doing. He does nothing of his own will. He obeys perfectly his father. This guy the man of lawlessness, these fake Christians who think they're believers, but they are lawless and they will be cast out, are cast out because they're not actually obeying. So, this morning, again, I'm not here to talk about the Antichrist or talk about all the scary stuff that people think is coming, and we'll get into that later. Right now, this morning, I just want to look at that word lawlessness. If Jesus doesn't like it and the guy from hell is lawless, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with lawlessness. If Jesus is going to kick those people out of his kingdom and the people who are lawless will follow the man of lawlessness from hell, I don't want anything to do with it. I want to know what it is. Why does Jesus not like it? I don't want to do it because I want to be with him. So what is lawlessness? 1 John 3, 4 says sin is lawlessness. All sin is a refusal to obey the commands of God. It's that simple. Because all sin is, from Adam and Eve all the way down to Mitch and Ken, all sin is I will decide what is right for me to do. I will be God. I will choose what is right and wrong. Is that not what Adam and Eve did? They ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Instead of just obeying their father and living in love with him, they decided we will choose what we can do. So anytime I disobey God in favor of what I would like to do, I have sinned and that is specifically it is lawless. I reject the law of God in favor of what I feel like doing tonight. Yep. Good. You with me? Yes. We're all together. Okay. Sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness is sin, just in a general sense. Anytime I choose what I get to watch, 
or what I get to put in my body or who I get to jump in bed with or how I want to speak or where I want to go or what I want to do with my money, I am playing God. And I am refusing his laws and I have decided what I will do. That's lawlessness. If when I really want to do something, I don't because God said don't, then I'm following God's law. If I really don't want to do something, but I make myself do it because God said to, then I'm in the law. And I'm not using the word law in a negative sense like it can be in another sense. I'm just saying I'm following God's commands. So that's Jesus. I said that's Jesus. He does what his father says. He doesn't do what his father says don't do. He follows every single command exactly. That's lawfulness. Lawlessness is, I'll do whatever I damn well please. And you know what? You will get exactly what you just said. So, all sin is lawlessness because we're playing God. We're making our own rules. There is no law for me. I choose. But in a general sense, that's true. But specifically, there's way too many scriptures to go into. But if you read all the scriptures about sin and lawlessness in the New Testament, it boils down to this. It's a refusal to obey God. It's a refusal to obey the rules and laws of man. It's a refusal to obey the authorities in our life. So some people just flat out don't claim to obey God and they know they're not and that's how they live. Other people claim to be Christians and I'm obeying God, but they're hiding sin. Other people say, well, yeah, I'll obey God, but the list ends there. I bow my knee to Jesus and that's the short list right there. Jesus said, if you receive the ones I send, you receive me. Jesus, his word, his New Testament says, obey your parents. His New Testament says, obey your boss. Not only the good and kind, but also the harsh and wicked. You don't get to choose to unobey a bad boss or a bad president or a bad teacher. Hello. Getting hot in here now. The authorities that are instituted in humanity in the earth, Romans says it's all from God. There is no authority except from God. So we can't say that I bow my knee to Jesus, but Charlton Heston is my president. I didn't vote for the fool. The bumper stickers that you see. You can vehemently disagree. Go right ahead. But Jesus says, honor the king. Which we don't have a king, we have a president. It exactly applies. And when Peter wrote that, Nero was Caesar, and he was burning Christians. And Peter says, honor him. Awful quiet in here. It's very clear from Scripture that we honor our parents no matter how good or bad they are. We honor them. We submit to Jesus by 
obeying and submitting to the people that he's put in authority over our life. You can't say Jesus is your Lord and death to pigs in the same breath or even in the same mind. So a refusal to obey God, a refusal to obey people that God has put in authority, that have authority in the family or in your workplace or the government or the church, the Bible is very clear about that. But anybody who's ever been in authority, parents, teachers, foster parents, um, managers at work, you know you've tried to lead people, you know it is possible for someone to obey you without liking it. Hello? Okay, Mom, I'll sit down, but on the inside, I'm standing up. (laughs) You can make your kids or your students or your employees do what you want because you have power over them with money or just physical size in the classroom or whatever, but it sure is a lot better when somebody actually submits, which is obedience with a good attitude. I want what my teacher wants. I want what my boss wants. I want what my mom wants. I want what my husband wants. It's a lot better. We have a higher calling than just obey. Because you can obey with a really bad heart. We're called to submit, which is obedience with a good attitude. With joyfully doing what the person in charge wants. But beyond even that, we are commanded to honor the king. To honor elders in the church. To honor our parents. Which is even more than Submission or obedience, it is treating them extra special. Honor our employers, and so on. Lawlessness is a refusal to honor, to submit, or to obey. It is, I will do whatever I feel like doing, and if I don't like your instructions or laws, I will ignore you. And I will do what I want. Lawlessness is an American tradition. Just like apple pie and grandma. Our country was born in rebellion and we are rebellious people. And we call it freedom. I'm free. I make my own decisions. I have my rights. And nobody's going to take them away from me. Yeah. Look where that that got us. If there is one word that I would use to define America right now in 2015, it is lawless. Nobody is in charge. The inmates are running the asylum. You go to Washington or Salem or LaGrande or whatever, there is no one in charge. Nobody agrees on what the rules are. Everybody ignores the laws and ignores the authorities and goes ahead and does whatever they want anyway. I'm talking about people in the government. It just, it's chaos. Culture is in chaos. There's nothing that's right or wrong anymore. It's all just do whatever you want. Lawlessness is the definition of America right now. And we have you baby boomers to thank for that. I'm serious. Those of you who are 55 to 70 and you were teens and 20s in the late 50s through the early 70s, you opened a door from hell that has never been opened before in the whole world. I know there's always been sin, there's always been government corruption, there's always been stuff. But you with your riots and your drugs and your sexual revolution 
your rejection of family and government, you opened a gate that has flooded the whole world. And I don't say that in any judgment or condemnation. If you're in Christ, you're forgiven for whatever you did in the 60s. (laughs) But you can say, well, the world is so much worse now. You're right, because your kids and grandkids are eating the fruit that you handed us. I'm totally serious. The The millennials, who are the college students and younger today, grew up in hellish dysfunction. And I know that no generation has ever been perfect or godly like people want to look back and imagine Norman Rockwell kind of America, but something did happen in the 60s that drastically changed. Not just America, America first, but the whole world. And really you could go back and blame it on World War II and you could blame that on the Great Depression and World War I. It just keeps going backward, but that generation that brought drugs and open sexual relations into the mainstream culture and threw off those boundaries. You got something to answer for when you meet Jesus. There's a a lot of talk about revival in the youth. And I talked about the harvest that's going to sweep the earth, the young people that are the harvest generation and so on. Something I've never heard anybody talk about that I would really like to see because I think it's got to happen is an old people revival who pray in repentance for what your generation did when you were in your 20s. When you beg God's mercy on what you've done to your kids and grandkids. Again, I'm not speaking to anybody here and some of you weren't even involved in any of that, but it happened as a generation. When Daniel reads Jeremiah's prophecy He's been in exile all of his life. He was taken as a war captive. He was castrated as a teenage boy and put in the service of Nebuchadnezzar. He's, he's basic, he is a slave all of his life. He had quite a bit of honor and authority as a, one of the wise men of the kingdom, but he's a slave. He's a eunuch slave. He's been completely faithful his entire life. Daniel is the only Old Testament character that nothing negative is said about him. No sin is ever pointed out about Daniel. You go to David, Moses, Abraham, it all tells their sins. Daniel is a great, godly man. And when he reads the judgment of God on Israel and what took them into captivity, he repents in sackcloth and ashes. And you read his prayer in Daniel 9 and he says, Lord, forgive us because we did this. We did this. We did this. Forgive us. He wasn't a part of any of it. He was a kid when it all happened, or it happened before he was born, but he repented on behalf of his generation. Some of you in your 50s and 60s need to do that. Everybody knows the youth does, because we're a mess. But it started before we were around. Lawlessness is so everyday in our world that I think it's necessary to just go through a list of things that even in America are legal, but they're lawless in God's eyes because they defy God's laws. So we're just going to go through a list of stuff that Americans take for granted, some of which are even legal, but it's lawless. It's chaos. It isn't, it's very disrespectful of authority, and we just take it for granted that it's our right to do, and so we do it. The things that we've been brainwashed by movies and music and our culture and even our parents and politics and government and uh, 
we're so open and expressive and we can say anything and do anything that we've arrived where we're at in the lawless mess that we're in. I want to start with music. I think the music is even more culturally shaping than movies. Those of you who grew up in the 60s and 70s know that's for sure, the music that fueled your revolution. Um, so we're just, I'm just going to play a few songs that I think most everybody are going to know. And I just want you to hear them again for the first time and hear how the ideas of these bands and songwriters are, some of them even sound positive and uplifting, but they're completely anti-Christ in their ideas. And we're going to start with what I think is quite possibly the worst song ever recorded, the most satanic idea ever put on vinyl. And I know you're going to say, okay, that must be Alice Cooper or Black Sabbath, or maybe Avenged Sevenfold, or, you know, no, you're, you're going to, this is from 1966, and I'm going to guess most everybody's going to know this song. Can we, can we play this? You gotta go. Go where you want to go, do what you want to do, with whoever you want to do it with. You don't understand, a woman like me can't love just one man. That is the definition of lawlessness. I will do whatever I want to do. There are no rules. Hello, right? Do you hear how evil that is? I mean, that's the hippie anthem right there. Mamas and the Papas, 1966, when Mama Cass sings that song... I'm sure that she really does mean that I can go to bed with whatever man I want to go to bed with, and that is all she meant. But once they open that door and they poison millions of skulls full of mush all through the 60s and 70s and the kids of the 80s that might have listened to their parents' music, and I hear I can go where I want to go and do what I want to do with whoever I want to do it with, and that's specifically sexual in the song, we arrive at Friday, three men got married in Thailand. We arrive at a week or two in New York, a 17-year-old girl is going to marry her dad. We arrive at the New Yorker magazine a couple months ago, had an article of the glorious time a man spent with his horse in Central Park and how wonderful it was. Go where you want to go and do what you want to do. Nothing's wrong. That is the definition of lawlessness. You can't sing that or say that or think that without allowing it to go all the way to the very end of hell. Because that is exactly what Adam and Eve did. They didn't do what God said. They did what they wanted. And we have a world history of unleashed hell. When that story came out, and it's not a tabloid thing, it's a mainstream magazine that reported this 17-year-old girl is going to marry her dad. Her mom and dad were never married. She didn't know her dad. They met, and she fell in love. When that came out, there was, of course, an eruption. 
all through the media of this is gross, it's illegal, how can this happen, this is incest. And the Christian media, of course, was like, we told you this would happen when you open the door to gay marriage, then anything else is legal. If you don't keep it at God's definition, then anything else goes. There was a blogger, a young woman blogger on the Huffington Post who wrote an article. And she said, when I read this, I was grossed out. I was outraged. I was, that man ought to be castrated and put in prison for the rest of his life. How dare he do this to his daughter? And, th- and then her article goes on to say, and then I realized, that's very bigoted of me. If they're in love, they should be free. Who am I to stop them and tell them that they can't love each other and be married? That was what she learned out of this, is that she was discriminating. And she had to change her mind and just let them be in love. This is lunatic lawlessness. Where incest is okay. And worse. Go where you want to go. Do what you want to do. With whoever you want to do it with. That is hell. That is anarchy. That is lawlessness. And it is the exact opposite of Jesus who only did what he saw his father doing, and he obeyed every command. Next song. Anybody over 30 even know who that song is? <laughs> Her name is Pink. The name of that song is Effin' Perfect. And if you listen to the whole thing, it is, you've made some bad choices, gone down some wrong roads, but don't regret that you're perfect. Just be yourself and do what you need to do. It sounds very positive and uplifting to the world. Do you hear how deceptive that is? And the message is, we're not perfect, we're broken, and we need Jesus, and we've got to repent and do things His way. Not say, well, yeah, I made some mistakes, but I'm not going to have any regrets because I'm perfect. Katy Perry's roar and firework are about the same kind of thing. Just this, feel good about yourself, be yourself, don't let anybody tell you what to do or define you, you just be you. You be you is lawlessness. those of you in the 70s, here's one you'll know.
we don't need no education. Well, maybe from your grammar you prove that you do. I know Pink Floyd is British. They're not American. I do know that. But there's just this, there's a rebellion in our culture against rules and authority. And we grow up listening to these songs and we're brainwashed and we don't even realize that's what Jesus is talking about when he says lawlessness. That song is all about against the schools and the teachers and making us obey rules and conform. And then you got Motley Crue smoking in the boys' room, hiding from the teachers and doing what you're doing in the locker room. And you got, you got to fight for your right to party. Beastie Boys is all about sneaking around behind your parents, smoking pot, get drunk. I hate my mom because she makes me cut my hair. It's just rebellion. It is. Let's see what Freddie Mercury has to say about life. This is Queen. I want it all and I want it now. That's a really catchy song. I actually really like it. It's got an awesome guitar solo in the bridge. I don't make a habit of listening to Queen, but I want it all and I want it now. It's lawlessness. For those of you in the 80s, 80s kids, here's some Lover Boy. see you smiling and nodding. You know this song. So I knew this was going to be my sermon topic all week. Monday, I'm in Nampa, Idaho, listening to the radio, and that song came on, and I'm just like, yeah, playing this song, and the guitar solo is awesome on that one, too, and Jesus says, hey, Mitch, do you hear what he's saying? Like, oh, yeah, that's lawlessness. I get it. I got to do it my way or no way at all. I get it. And it's, again, that one's specifically sexual. Twice in the song, it's I'll make love to whoever I please. Though Turn Me Loose is, you know, he's singing to his woman who wants him to commit to her. He's like, nope, I got to fly. I'm going to jump from bed to bed and woman to woman and flawlessness. For those of you who are my age, here's a little Metallica.
trust I see and I find in you Every day for us something new Open mind for a different view And nothing else Forever trust in who you are. Life is ours. We live it our way and nothing else matters. Hello. You didn't know when you came to church you were going to hear Pink Floyd and Queen and Metallica, did you? <laughs> For those of you old folks that don't have a clue what any of these songs were, <laughs> I got one more we're going to try. You're going to know who this is. I turned 21 in prison Doing life without parole No one could steer me right But Mama tried, Mama tried Mama tried to raise me better But her pleading I denied That leaves only me to blame Cause Mama tried That's Merle Haggard if you didn't know Mama tried, but I went my own way Do you, do you hear the lawlessness in our culture? Do you hear the message that Satan is trying to get brainwashed into our brains? Is that we're free, we can do it our way, be yourself, don't regret your mistakes, just go ahead and be you. We've got songs that, about killing police officers, we've got songs about rock and roll all night, party every day, because I was born to be wild, and I'm not your fortunate son, so you can take this job and shove it. And we sing these songs, and it's fun, and, but it's not Jesus. Do you know that there, there is a book called The Satanic Bible, written by Anton LaVey in the 60s or 70s? Whether you believe Satanism is a real thing, or whether these people are just wasting their time being idiots, doesn't matter. They think they're worshiping Satan, and they have a book they call The Satanic Bible. There is a Ten Commandments in The Satanic Bible, the number one command of Satanism is not kill babies and drink their blood. It is do whatever you want. That is the number one command for worshiping Satan is do what you want. It's what Adam and Eve did. It's what Mama Cass says to do. It's what Pink says to do. It's not what Jesus says to do. So what does that look like in everyday life? When I use the word law I, in today, I mean the commands of God for how to obey Him in morality, in how to handle our money, in sexual boundaries. I also mean the laws of our government. I mean the authority of our parents. I mean church authorities. I mean our boss, teachers at work. I mean it all. When... Jesus says, there will be no lawlessness in my kingdom. He means, you will obey me, and I am your Lord and King, or I'm not. It's that simple. So what is lawlessness, other examples of lawlessness in everyday American culture? We're, we're right in the thick of total lawless chaos at every level of 
what is sex and who, what is marriage, all the way to what authority does the president have in the Supreme Court. It's just it's lawlessness going on all around us, and we got to recognize it so we can be separate, be holy, be holy. So I would assume that most of you on TV could see the Ferguson riots a few months ago in Missouri, and you could say, that's lawless. They're rioting and burning and looting and protesting because they didn't like a certain turnout of a court decision, and they, want to, they hate the police. That's lawlessness. They should be arrested for that. But how many of you would have said the same thing two or three years ago about the Bundy Ranch protesters that shut down the interstate with their horse trailers because Mr. Bundy was running his cows illegally on government land and yeah, there wasn't any looting, but it's just lawlessness on the other end of the political spectrum. It's a refusal to submit to the authorities. It's a heart that is agitated and angry and hateful and wants to resist and fight and blame the government. I know protesting is legal in the U.S. Rioting is not. Protesting is. But I have yet to ever see a protest that given enough time didn't turn into a riot. Because it's not godly. Thank God we have a government that allows us the right to go to the school board meeting or go to the Forest Service office or go to the city council or write a letter to the president and say what we think should happen. Praise God that we have the right to write our congressman. We don't have to live in fear of voicing our opinion for the wrong person. We'll end up dead like they do in Russia. You watch the news, you know about that. One of Putin's main critics died a couple weeks ago. So thank God that we have that right. Absolutely, we have every right to attend the meetings, voice our opinion, write the emails, send the letters, make the Facebook posts, whatever, about the political issues. What we do not have a right to do is go and scream and shout and picket and disrupt meetings because they aren't doing what we want. Whether it's save our shelter or occupy Wall Street or road closures in the National Forest. I signed that petition. I don't want them to close any more roads. I'm up there all the time. If they close more roads, I will be furious. And I will let them know it. And I would probably send my money to whoever sues against that rule. But I'm not going to go to the meetings and scream and yell and be disrespectful. Because that's lawlessness. So those of you who do think such things, you can watch Occupy Wall Street and their protests and how dirty and nasty that gets. And you can say, those people are wicked. They should just follow the rules. But then your bumper sticker says, you can have my gun when you pry it from my cold, dead hands. <clears throat> it's lawlessness. Cheating on a test, copying somebody else's homework. I mean, this goes from the race riots of Ferguson all the way down to, did you cheat on your test? Did somebody? Did you buy your report online? Do you know you can do that? Where was the internet when we were in high school? They can buy their own their their science reports. 
So you can judge other people as being lawless and, and they're, they're really egregious public rebels. But I played pinochle with some of you. And your wife's like, oh yeah, he cheats anytime he can get away with it. <laughs> that is lawlessness in your heart. If you think that's funny. The labor union at the Port of Portland a few weeks ago, well, they've been doing it, I guess, for a year or more. It wasn't a strike, but they were on the job, but they were intentionally slowing it down. They weren't doing their job in protest to get more money. And eventually they did it so long that the shippers at the Port of Portland have withdrawn. And this is one-twelfth of the U.S. economy. And I don't know what percentage, but a large portion of Oregon's economy and a couple hundred men who are greedy for more money. What they did was legal, but it was completely, grossly lawless. That If you read what Jesus said about doing your job and earning your wages and how you treat your employer, what they did is completely ungodly. To not work and take a paycheck and intentionally disrupt the system so that they would get what they want. It's legal in America, but it's lawless. So we go from that to sneaking out of the house and your parents don't know where you are. It's lawless. Hiding what you're looking at on the computer from your spouse to ignoring the Constitution, a federal bureaucracy that just makes whatever rules they want. And there is no one or no law in charge. If you know the situation in Alabama, Alabama had a constitutional amendment saying that marriage is one man and one woman, just like Oregon did till ours got thrown out by one person. The whole state votes on it and approves it, and one judge can throw it out. But it happened in Alabama. They had a constitutional amendment, marriage is one man, one woman. A federal, it got sued. It went to the Alabama Supreme Court. They said it's a solid law. It went to a federal judge, and a federal judge, one person, overrides the entire state of Alabama and says, nope, that's unconstitutional. Nobody has ever explained to me how a constitutional amendment can be unconstitutional. It's in the Constitution. It isn't unconstitutional. But that's unconstitutional. You have to allow gay marriage. The Supreme Court Justice of Alabama two or three weeks ago said, we are ignoring that judge. Alabama is not going to have gay marriage. 50 out of 65 counties went ahead and did it. And now the Alabama Supreme Court has got injunctions against 50 of their own county clerks. The inmates are running the asylum. There is no law. Who is in charge? Nobody, because we don't agree on what is actually the supreme law of the land, who is the authority. We don't have any anymore. Because our president and our Congress and our judges just do whatever they want. We're growing, our kids are growing up in lawlessness. What the Oregon governor did a few weeks ago is nothing new. Corruption in government probably started with whoever was in charge first. It did not take very many days for the first king to do something selfish. I'm absolutely positive. Corruption in government is not new. So what our governor, for a previous governor, did in paying his girlfriend for with secret money from the state, that's nothing new at all. What Hillary Clinton has done with her emails is 
to be expected. It's just, it's not anything new. Anybody who pretends to be outraged at that stuff doesn't know very much. <laughs> it's gone on forever. But what is new is the level of disrespect for the law or for what is the law in America and that there are consequences to these things. It used to ruin people's careers, but now she may still run for president. More lawlessness. You will find a lot of lawlessness on talk radio. Sorry to... Uh, I'm going to equal opportunity offense this morning. It is fine for the media, talking heads on TV and the radio to say their opinion. It is fine for the callers to call in and say their opinion. What is not okay is the mocking and the disrespect and the anger that is con constant. It's just a continual three hours a day. And then if you listen to multiple shows, you get it for six or nine hours a day of anger and hatred and mocking and disrespect. And it, it's lawlessness. Because the Bible says, do not speak evil of the ruler of your people. Do not speak evil of the ruler of your people. So I like Rush Limbaugh a lot. I don't listen to him very much because I'm at work here, but whenever, if I drive across town, I do. But I have to shut it off if he's doing his little parody songs and stuff that make fun of people or if, he's, if Lars gets on a rant or whoever it is that you like to listen to. I mean, it's not just talk radio. You can get on a blog or you can get on Facebook and get into some really, really stupid political commentary and idiots sharing their opinion in the comment feed on a YouTube video. <laughs> Am I right? It's just, it's absolute nonsense. And it's lawlessness. There is a kind of person who is a crusader against injustice. And they're, it's the kind of person that is always trying to right the wrongs and we're going to hold the government accountable and we're going to whistleblow and we're going to expose every corruption and all and we're going to you know, just the, the Edward Snowden fans. Of course, we don't want corruption in government. It would be foolish to think it isn't there and that it isn't happening rampantly. But there is a kind of person whose heart is always agitated and angry and insubmissive, and they feel it's their job to expose every corruption and every conspiracy theory and get everybody fired, and it's insubmission. I just expect our government to be corrupt, and of course I don't want that to be so. But Rome was as corrupt as it got, and the apostles were not interested, and Jesus was not interested in exposing or taking on challenging government corruption. He was interested in changing people's hearts. And the apostles were about getting the gospel out. So if some day we have a dictatorial president that passes some edict to take away my guns, I know that's illegal, I will be furious, but I will hand them over because I'm not going to kill or be killed for my right to bear firearms. Right. If I'm going to die, I want to die for Jesus. Yeah. 
not for my rights. Do you hear me? If I have to die for something, I want to die for Jesus, not my freedom of speech. I will be really angry. Those of you who think I'm a traitor, I'm an NRA member and I own quite a few firearms and I love to shoot them and I'll fight anybody that wants to argue with me. But I'm not going to kill the sheriff's deputy that comes to take him away. Thank God we live in our country where religious freedom is ours. But when we lose that, I said when, when we lose that, our freedom of religion is not what we will be fighting for. We will be spreading the gospel and come what may. Because Jesus didn't die for our constitution. He died for people's hearts. Our lawsuit system is completely lawless. That anybody can sue for anything, for any dollar amount, that so much blackmail happens with just the threat of a lawsuit. I'm going to sue you, and so people just pay them off. They call it a settlement, but it's a bribe. It's, a, it's blackmail. We have a seriously lawless court system. We have a welfare and a disability unemployment system that pays people to not work. It's lawless. It bypasses all of God's natural laws. I know there's people that physically can't work. I understand that. That's not what I'm talking about. We've got a very broken system. It's lawless. We've got a handicapped justice system that doesn't actually inflict pain on criminals. We go against God's natural laws of marriage and sexuality and any other list of things. So from rioting to gay marriage to leaving a church in offense, lawlessness is refusing to obey God's or man's laws. The only exception we have is when we are commanded to sin. That is the only exception we have. Is if the government tells us we can't worship Jesus or we can't preach the gospel or we have to participate in sin, we can defy that. But nothing else. So, I don't want anything to do with lawlessness. We can listen to songs. I can point out what's wrong with the world and the government and crazy people. But it starts right here. I, if I'm going to say something's lawless, I better be within the law. And again, I mean the laws of God and the laws of man. So if I look down and I'm driving 57, I slow down. If I know I'm speeding and I think I can or that I have a good reason to, I have just made myself my own law. I don't need to submit to that. I will do what I want to do. First service, there was a husband that went (laughs) to his his wife. (laughs) If I lie on my taxes, just to fudge a little bit about that. If I have any sort of Hidden sin. If I fudge on my tithe this month, well, God will understand. I don't have to do that this month. Things are tight. I have just decided I get to choose what I do rather than God. That is lawlessness. 
Anytime you make up an excuse to do something that your conscience is telling you you shouldn't do, that's lawlessness. Because the Bible says it's the little foxes that destroy the grapes. It's the small details of my self-discipline that make or break me. If I bend or break the small rules and then judge the people that break the big ones, I'm a hypocrite. I said, if I break the small rules and then judge the people that break the big ones, I'm a hypocrite. Because Jesus said that lust is the same as adultery. And that cursing somebody is the same as murdering them. And that calling somebody stupid will land us in hell. So if I routinely cheat at cards or speed or fudge on my tithe or my taxes and think God will understand, you'll take the mark of the beast and think God will understand. Well, I've got to feed my family. We've got to live. We've got to survive. Because you have a lifetime of compromise in little decisions. I don't want to end up on the wrong side. Now, of course, nobody does it perfectly. Of course. But our heart can be perfect. Perfectly willing. Perfectly submitted. Quiet. Unrebellious. Unjustifying of our sin. Of course, I blow it every day. But my heart is on its face before the throne of Jesus. And I have to repent in hot tears before. I've told you that I have physically, literally beat myself in anger and frustration for a sin that I couldn't beat. But my heart, I want to do what God wants. I want to do what Jesus says. I want to be obedient. And I'm going to get it right. That's my goal. Of course, of course, we know. On a daily basis, we'll blow it. We need Jesus. You've heard me say before, a Christian that tries to be perfect is insulting Jesus. Jesus, I want to be perfect, so I need you less. I want to be good so I can feel good about myself and have to repent less. Okay, so settle all that. This is not legalism. This is holiness. What I'm talking about this morning is not getting into the nitpicky details of a legalistic self-righteousness right and wrong. It is a heart posture of God, I want to do what you say and I'm going to submit myself and obey the human authorities you've put in my life. And I will honor my dad or mom. I will respect my husband. I will respect my teacher. I will honor the president and so on. Awfully quiet out there. We can be in a soft-hearted posture. We can be submissive and honoring even when we disagree. If the president came to Embler, to my house, I would shake his hand, I would welcome him in, and I would treat him with all honor and dignity. I would not say, I hate everything you stand for, and you're the worst president we've ever had, which I believe, but I would not say that. I would treat him with honor and respect, because he's the president of the United States. 
Parents, if you want respect and obedience from your kids, they cannot hear you dissing everybody at the dinner table. They can't hear you ranting against the government or your boss because you're going to reap what you sow. Parents wonder why their teens don't respect them. It's because for the last 17 years, they have heard you hate your boss and hate the government. Does anybody want anything to do with lawlessness? I don't. Does anybody have some repenting to do? Yeah, let's get on our knees right now, everybody. Unless you had knee surgery in the last two weeks. <laughs> kneel, kneel down. If you can't kneel, you can bow your head on the chair in front of you. We're going to act this out. Lord Jesus, you are the king of our hearts. We honestly want nothing to do with lawlessness and we want everything to do with obeying you. We want everything to do with following your commands. You said that if we love you, we will obey your commands. So we can't say that we love you if we aren't obeying. So we commit right now this morning to obey you, to obey your word, to obey every instruction you gave us for how to live life and how to treat other people and how to worship God. We commit right now. We bow our hearts as we bow our bodies. We kneel before you and we say you are the king of our heart. Lord, we, the honest intention of our heart is to obey you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your graciousness as we learn how to do that. Thank you for your forgiveness every time we mess it up. Lord, but the honest intent of our heart right now is that you are Lord, you are King, you are on the throne, and we bow our heart, we bow our will, and we bow our self-control to you. And Lord, the people that you have put in authority over us, thank you for our job and our boss. Thank you for our president and our Congress and our Supreme Court, Lord. We bless them, Lord. You said that the King's heart is in your hand and you guide it wherever you want it to go. So, Lord, we ask that your will would be done in our White House and in our Capitol Hill and our Supreme Court, Lord. Please forgive us when we have bad-mouthed, when we have mocked. Teach us how to voice disagreement without being disrespectful or insubmissive, Lord. Thank you for the freedoms that we have. Thank you that we can write our congressmen, that we can speak out against ungodly decisions and actions of our government. Thank you for that freedom, Lord. Teach us how to do it with honor and dignity and respect, representing you and not ourselves. Because we do not want to live for our rights. We want to live for your kingdom. Lord, we honor our parents. We honor our teachers, our bosses, church elders, all the authorities that you've put in us, in our lives, Lord. Thank you for those that cover us and lead us and take responsibility Provide leadership and teaching. Forgive us for bad-mouthing our parents or our teachers or our bosses. Thank you for those people that you've put in our lives to bless us in those ways. Keep us from lawlessness, Lord. If you believe this, this is Jesus' words. Right from the Bible, if you believe this, repeat after me. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. Thank you, Jesus, for buying me. Thank you for redeeming me out of my sin. My way failed. Your way is right. I will obey you. Thank you for saving me. 
Thank you for cleaning me. Thank you for washing me. Thank you for teaching me what is right. Thank you, Jesus, for your salvation, for your purchase of blood, and thank you for your word that you teach us, Lord. You bought us out of, when we made our own decisions, it was a disaster. Lord, we ruined our bodies, we ruined our marriages, we ruined our kids, we ruined our finances, we, we totally destroyed our souls, Lord, when we did things our own way, and we did whatever felt good. Lord, we repent. We lay our hearts before you now, and we say thank you for saving us. We make you Lord and King. Thank you for saving us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You forgave our rebellion. We come to you now for the first time or after years, Lord, of following you. We lay it all down before you. You are King and Lord. Thank you for saving us from ourselves. Amen. Amen.